You're listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn, where you'll find uplifting and practical advice for everyday living, creative inspiration for do-it-yourself projects, and recommendations for books and resources that will encourage you to embrace your life repurposed. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. Hey friends, it's another episode of Life Repurposed, and I'm so glad to have you with me. In fact, going along with the Life Repurposed theme of this podcast, I'm introducing the series that kicks off with many, many interviews with the authors that are appearing in the book Life Repurposed. This week, I sat down and had a conversation with Linda Kruschke, and she writes candid memoir and fearless poetry. She delves into hard issues that others tend to avoid. She aspires to show women that God's redemption and healing are just a story away. She's a blogger at anotherfearlessyear.net. We're going to talk about that in the interview. And she has written all kinds of articles. I'm going to have a link in the show notes so you can learn more about Linda Kruschke. Those show notes are going to be at michellerayburn.com slash 93. So you're going to want to get the resources we talk about here. In fact, towards the end of our interview, Linda talks about a really fantastic resource that she's put together, and I want you to get that. It's a way of helping you process through something that has been difficult in your life, and she gives you even an opportunity to have a voice for that, where you could either anonymously or with your name attached share something like uh, poetry that you've written that helps you to express and release something that has been a difficulty for you. So we're going to talk about that in the interview. Also, Linda gets really into the heartfelt part of her story, and not just what she tells in the Life Repurposed book. That's just one part. But in this interview, we really had a heart-to-heart where she talked about some of the things that have happened in her life and how God has brought her through, how she turned that into a whole ministry of helping other people become fearless. So I hope you enjoy my chat with Linda. I certainly did. After we stopped recording, we continued talking for a while. So I would definitely want to visit with her if I'm ever in her state for a visit. So um, I hope she's going to become your friend today too. Thanks for listening in. And here is my interview with Linda. Thank you, Linda, for joining me today to chat a little bit about your chapter in Life Repurposed and also to tell me a lot more about your life because I only know a tiny little bit. As we think about today, I want to pretend we're sitting down and we're having a cup of coffee. We went to a coffee shop together. I want to know, what did you order? I ordered an almond milk latte, probably with hazelnut syrup. But maybe with vanilla, it just depends on my mood for the day. Oh, so you get the hot coffee? Yes. I tend to go iced. I don't know why. I just like the iced coffee. When I think of iced coffee, I always think of an old Johnny Cash song, Rock Island Line, where the engineer wants to try a hot cup of coffee and a cold glass of tea. (laughs) He's never had before. I just, I don't. Cold coffee to me makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, I don't know. I put some flavored syrup in there, a little bit of half and half, and 
that's my morning go-to. So coffee shop too. A little mocha has to have some chocolate in there. Oh, yeah, mochas are good too. <laughs> well, I'm going to pretend that we are sitting down and having that cup of coffee because that's my favorite way to meet with friends and new people. So I got to know you a little bit through the process of editing your chapter in the book called Life Repurposed. But I want to go back a little bit from that because in the, in that chapter, you talk about a fear of water. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about childhood a little bit, growing up. Tell me one of your favorite memories from childhood. My One of my favorite memories, well, there's two I will mention. One was every other week pedaling my bike the mile and a half from my house along a eucalyptus-lined street to get to the library, filling up the little white basket on my banana seat uh, bicycle with a whole bunch of books, heading back home. And even though I lived in sunny Southern California, I would hole up in my bedroom and read. I love and that. Then at the end of two weeks, when the library books were due, I'd load up the basket, pedal back down to the library and get another two weeks worth of books. The other is that as a small child, I was a huge fan of stuffed animals. And I had so many stuffed animals, I would create a zoo. And I dreamed of one day <laughs> being a zookeeper. And I would have the, I had a alley, the alligator and a turtle. And I had lions and bears and every type of, of stuffed animal had that with my jump ropes would have their own little zoo enclosure. And I would be the zookeeper. That's awesome. Did you have to share a bedroom with a sibling at all? When I was very small, I did, but I have four siblings and the first three are much older than my sister Berta and I. And so they were moved out of the house. And once the last one of them moved out, when I was probably four, Berta, oh, wow. maybe yeah. five, Berta and I got our own room. So, so nobody messed three with years the zoo. <laughs> nobody messed with the zoo. No, I, it was my very own my very own room for that nice. with purple walls. <laughs> <laughs> so you told a story that began with your childhood that I mm-hmm. could relate to, and it started with swimming lessons. Yeah. I hated swimming lessons as a kid. I was scared of water, and mm-hmm. they'd throw you in or drop you off the diving mm-hmm. board. And you talk about how that promoted a fear of water for you, your, your experience at the pool, was it? Yes, it was the Collier Park Pool in Ramona, <laughs> California. And it was we were in the seven foot deep and we were the instruction was to push off from the side and tread water. And I did. And I sunk to the bottom <laughs> of the seven foot pool. And I could not get back to the surface on my own. Someone had to come in and pull me out. So that was what I was always afraid of happening when they dropped me off the diving board. I was a fairly fluffy kid, and so I floated back mm-hmm. to the top, but you did not float back to the top. I was the skinniest little kid. I was barely, I, mean, I don't even know how many pounds I weighed, but it wasn't much. I didn't have a single bit of fat on me, <laughs> and I lived with two parents who both smoked around me all the time. So my lung capacity wasn't great. So I just, 
I was not meant to be a swimmer. And even now when I do swim, when I snorkel, as I talk about in the story, Mm -hmm. I do it with a flotation belt on. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way I get in the water is with a flotation belt. So um, that's because I don't, I'm not a strong swimmer. I can swim, but I'm still not a strong swimmer. And although I'm a little fluffier now than I was <laughs> back then, but aren't we all? So is there a Martin Short thing or something that says I'm not a strong swimmer? I feel like that's a Saturday Night Live thing from somewhere. I'm not sure, but that's it possible. triggered a memory I, for me. I'm going to have to look that one up. Maybe so. Something. Yeah. So in the book, you talk about how that fear that started at that young age carried into adulthood. Mm-hmm. How did that prevent you from enjoying some of the things in life? Well, my husband, once I got married, it didn't really bother me too much until I got married and my husband had no fear of water and he (laughs) wanted to go do things that involved water. You know, he wanted to, we took a boat out on the Wikiup Reservoir one time and I was just terrified the whole time. I went because he wanted to, but in my mind, and and if you're familiar with reservoirs, very different than a lake. There are submerged logs because it used Mm. to be a forest and then they put up a dam and created a reservoir. So there are these logs in the water and he's outboard motor going as fast as we can. And I'm in the front (laughs) going, there's, there's one, there's one. And I, and would, so he had no fun either. Um, And then, and then when my son was 10, we went to Hawaii and they went snorkeling and I went, to the zoo by myself because I was too afraid to go out on the ocean in a boat. And my son loves the water. And so that was hard to not have the courage to go in the water with him. Yeah. And, you know, I just missed out on things because other people were flashing around and having fun in the water. And I'm even in a pool sitting by the edge, my glasses are dry, my hair is dry. Yeah, I can touch the bottom. And that's as far in as I was going to go. So I'm not going to give away the rest of the story, because I want people to read it in the book. Mm -hmm. You're going to tell in the chapter in Life Repurposed how you overcame that fear. Mm -hmm. But when you're telling it now, I hear some things that I think we can relate to on so many levels, because you're talking about sitting on the side, and -hmm. you're talking about watching other people live life. Have you had other experiences in your life where you feel like you sat on the side and you watched other people live life? Very much so. I... Although this is one story of fear, throughout my life, I dealt with a lot of fears. I had a, actually had a period in my life when I was almost agoraphobic. I didn't want to leave mm-hmm. my house. I was afraid to be in crowds of people. I've had panic attacks. My husband and I were at a Smithsonian exhibit here in Portland one time, and I lost sight of him. And mm-hmm. had a panic attack. I was just afraid to be by myself and afraid to go out by myself. There are things also that I wanted to do. I, I wanted to be a writer long before I actually started writing and putting my work out there because I was afraid. 
to send things out as yeah. a writer. So it really is this thread that went out throughout my life in many ways where I didn't do things I wanted to do either because I was afraid of what someone would say or afraid I was going to fail. My biggest fear now is that I'm going to succeed with my writing and people are going to read <laughs> all this stuff about me at some point. Um, so yeah, it's fear. The thing that I have learned is that fear is a liar. Mm-hmm. Fear will tell you the worst thing that could possibly happen mm-hmm. as if it were a certainty. And my husband is the exact opposite. He was, he's always <laughs> like, well, what, what can it hurt? The worst that can happen is, you know, if you ask somebody for something, the worst that can happen is they say no. But if you don't step out and try to do it, it's by default no. Mm-hmm. So maybe you won't succeed at this thing that you try. But if you don't even try, you've already not succeeded. Yeah. So, yeah, it's taken a long time to get there, but that's sort of the reason my my blog, my website is called Another Fearless Year is the year that is in the story mm-hmm. um, in Life Repurpose was the, uh, that was my first fearless year, mm-hmm. my first truly fearless year. I had, not that I hadn't done some things before that that showed I was less fearful than I had been prior but that was really the year I just went I I'm not gonna believe fear anymore it's and not that I've succeeded at everything I've tried (laughs) but But I'm conquering one fear at a time I love Mm -hmm. that you're conquering it one at a time Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you think of a time when you felt the most alone in life? Uh, yes. Uh, when I was in high school, I um, experienced some uh, a sexual assault when I was in high school. And I, I really felt like I couldn't tell anybody and I felt very alone. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a really difficult time for me mm-hmm. um, just to try to deal with that as a teenager and not knowing who to tell and not yeah. telling anyone and just burying it. So that my high school years are some people look back on, they'd love to go back to high school. Mm-hmm. The only reason I'd like to go back is to go prior to that assault and not do the thing, change the mm. thing that I did that day that got mm. me in the situation and try to do high school all over again that way. But I'm not sure I even want to try that because yeah, I like my life the way it is now. I don't want to go back, but yeah, maybe try to do it less lonely. Yeah, that's the heart of Life Repurposed, really. The whole, like, why I started telling other people's stories a long time ago and then how this book came about is wanting people to see that God repurposes rather than, Mm -hmm. like, going back. We can't go back and redo, but repurposing something Mm -hmm. instead. And so um, what? where did you find the hope or the courage to move forward from that then? It took a long time, and I went through some ups and downs 
uh, went to law school, got married, went to law school, graduated from law school, took a nosedive into major clinical depression for about seven years. And then a friend invited me to a Bible study. Hmm. And I started attending this weekly Bible study with women. I only knew the one person because I didn't, it wasn't a church I went to at the time. And these ladies just came around and loved me and God used their prayers. Every week I would pray. I just don't want to be depressed. Hmm. And I didn't know why I was depressed at the time. I didn't understand what was going on with me. And I tried everything to not be depressed. Hmm. And except the thing that God finally brought to me through a dream as, and I believe that dream was a direct consequence of the prayers of these lovely women mm. who they didn't judge me as being, you know, you just need more faith or you, whatever, just pray harder. You no, know, they just loved me and let me be who I needed to be in that group. And then I had a dream about forgiveness. And that was the thing that finally, it was hearing that lesson that if I didn't forgive, if I kept holding on to anger over the assault I'd experienced in high school, that I was never going to be well. Mm -hmm. And so that was sort of the turning point for me. And, and I've grown, that was in 1998. So it's been a while, but I, I, uh, I've grown a lot since then, but that was really the, the turning point was being loved and prayed for mm -hmm. by a group of women who just loved me. That mm -hmm. was, they didn't try to fix anything. Yes. They didn't try to tell me what I needed to do more of or less of. They just prayed for me and loved me. So there's such a lesson there for those of us who are listening into your story. There is somebody out there who just wants to be loved, who doesn't want us to fix them, who doesn't want us to toss a Bible verse without a real meaning behind why we're giving it to them, or to say, I'll pray for you without really mm -hmm. praying for them. So there's that. But then there's also, I know, somebody out there listening who has a deep, dark secret that they haven't told anybody. What words of encouragement do you have for that person? The thing you believe about that secret that you're holding that you think everyone is going to hate you if they ever knew. No one. This is the thought that went through my mind for a long time. If anyone knew, they wouldn't like me. Mm. That is a lie. Yes. So when you are holding on to that secret and, and think if anybody knew this, they wouldn't like me. I'm here to tell you, I have had zero people not like me because yeah. of my history and my past and the secrets that I held on to for so long. When I started to let those secrets out and to speak freely about what happened to me and the trauma that I've experienced, 
all I heard was, I mean, I started hearing me too long before me too was <laughs> hashtag. I would tell my story and people would say, thank you for sharing. I experienced something similar. Um, and I appreciate your openness mm-hmm. and it, it's helped them. So that, that secret that you're holding is, is not anything that, that you should keep in. It's, Mary DeMuth, who was one of my writing mentors, once wrote, an untold story never heals. Mm-hmm. And that has been my experience, that the more I tell my story, the more healing I experience, but I also can see that it offers healing mm-hmm. for others because it opens them up to be able to speak freely about their own trauma. And so I would just say, don't hold it in. And maybe it's just one person. Mm-hmm. Um, find one person that you feel like you're, you feel safe confiding in. And, and as you tell it to one person and you get a, a good reaction, um, or at least compassion, then mm-hmm. you, know, you can tell another person. Yeah. Yeah. I hope listeners are connecting with that and they can reach out to any of the authors that are in the book they can reach out to you on your Mm -hmm. website we're going to give that at the end here Um, but just to reach out to somebody because I get chills when you tell your story so I know that others do too Mm -hmm. I mean I'm sitting here thinking oh this is just this is why I have a passion for others telling their stories Mm -hmm. because somebody else can find that path to healing Mm -hmm. just by our example we don't have to do it perfect nothing about my life is perfect. And so we we do it in whatever way God leads us with imperfections and all. So what is God doing in your life right now? What's new and exciting? Writing. Yes, well, you have have... so many stories already just here. (laughs) I do. And so I... I do work full time. I work in legal publishing uh, running a legal publications program at the Oregon State Bar. But my real passion is God is opening up opportunities for me to share various aspects of my story and the compassion that has really become my hallmark in various ways. I have an article that will be coming out in a couple of months in Bible Advocate. I have a number of articles up on The Mighty where I talk about a whole nother aspect of my story, which is my struggle with fibromyalgia and chronic pain. And um, so I've also had an article recently in Fathom Magazine. And so just these opening up all these opportunities yeah. for me to share the hope that God has given me and to show compassion to women and men. You know, men go mm-hmm. through trauma. Yeah as well. And so I do primarily speak to the the experience of women though. So, but just to share that hope. And so I have a memoir that I'm trying to find a publisher for. So that's called, I wonder if you doubt me. Mm. And, and it's basically the extended version of, (laughs) of my story. And currently I'm working as the, what do you call it? It's the contest coordinator. 
The Oregon Christian Writers Cascade Writing Contest is open right now through next Monday. And although that's going to be in the past. After the, yeah. (laughs) But but I am the contest coordinator and I will be doing that again next year. So I'm very involved in Oregon Christian Writers. And, you know, I'm trying to parent a 26-year-old you know what who just moved out two months ago <laughs> and take care of a 16 year old dog and hang out with my husband that's what god's doing in my life giving me just a, a so many blessings in so many ways i love it you have a beautiful story and what's so cool about that is our beautiful stories can have some really ugly places in, in them, and yet the whole thing is beautiful because of what God does in our lives. You have a resource that you've put together for people. I'd like you to tell us how the listeners can get that. So it's a guided poetry journal called Harnessing the Power of Your Me to Experience. And it includes some of my story in the beginning and then, and some of my poetry, but it's also set up with uh, poetry forms and prompts for the reader to write their own story. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a me too story. It could be any uh, difficult story that you're just trying to get it out there just to talk to God about it to start Mm -hmm. with. I include in the resource an offer if someone writes a poem using one of the prompts and they are would like to have it published on my blog, I will do a guest post for that oh, for their that's poem. Oh, really wonderful. And it can either be anonymous if they want to post it but they're not comfortable having their name or I will publish it under their name. And so that that resource is at anotherfearlessyear.net. And if you click on I believe you in the menu, that'll take you to the page where you can request that download. And it's a PDF download that they can print off and then use the templates to write the different kinds of poems. And one of my favorites in there is a, it's based on the Psalms and it's a, called an anaphora, which is a poem where you have a repeated phrase at the beginning of each line. And the repeated phrase that I've pre-populated the form with is how long, oh mm. Lord. And it's just because when you're struggling with depression, with trauma, with these difficult situations we deal with in life, sometimes the question is, how long, how long, mm. Lord, am I going to have to go through this? When are you going to come in and, and rescue me? And, and the psalmist asks that a lot. And yes. so, um, that's, that's one of my favorite forms in the, the whole resource. Yeah. I love that. There's so many things about that. That's just like such a meaningful freebie for somebody to get because mm-hmm. not only can we process ourselves, but you're giving people a voice by mm-hmm. saying, you can put this out there anonymously. You can be brave. Mm-hmm. Someday you can give someone the link to that post, but if you mm-hmm. want to just put it out there, you can. So that might be somebody's first step in right. processing through something that's been really difficult. 
That's great. We're going to be linking up to that in the show notes so you can get that. Uh, Linda, could you give your website one more time so we know where people can connect with you? Anotherfearlessyear.net. All right. Thank you. I'd like to know what you'd like to leave our listeners with today as a closing word. God loves you and there is hope. Hope never dies, even though it seems dim and we may not even see it. There's always hope. Amen. Thank you so much for being here and chatting with me today. Well, thank you for inviting me. You'll find Linda's story along with 33 others in the book, Life Repurposed, Stories of Grace, Hope, and Restored Faith. And I'll have a link to that in the show notes at michellebrayburn.com slash 93. I also invite you to join in our Facebook community where we continue the discussion each week. We're a growing group of people and those discussion topics are centered around sharing something else that applies to everyday life. And so I would love to have you be part of that group. Thanks for hanging out with me today, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. You've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn. Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at michellerayburn.com. I'd love it if you would subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. I'd also love it if you would like, review, and share the information about this podcast with your friends. Thank you so much for listening.